Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. All right, and that takes us to our, our message for today. And our message, message series is entitled Waiting. And the, the way that we came up with this whole concept of, of this theme went back to a video that Jonathan and Jeff used in a message uh, a little while ago. And what happened is a number of people who saw this, this message, it just really resonated with them. And they said, man, that's exactly what I feel like. And for that reason, what we're going to do as our lead-in video is to show that waiting video again and, and let that be the lead-in to our message. So we'll watch that right now. Those who wait on the Lord don't go anywhere. They don't move forward. They don't turn back. They wait. Wait for God to answer. Wait for the Father to provide. Wait for the Avenger to act for the hurt to stop, for the door to open. But sometimes, in the waiting, in the stubborn trusting without seeing, we find an unexpected moment, and then another an unreasonable peace, a surprising joy, a shocking sense that the answer matters less than being loved by the one we're waiting for. And so we worship in the waiting and we wait a little more. With our message series, we, we write them, uh, Jeff, Jonathan, Phil, myself, and another pastor uh, who's, who's a friend of ours, we, we write the messages. And, and then what we do is we name them. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I voted against waiting Okay, just so you know, totally against it. So if you don't like it, don't talk to me. Talk to someone else on staff. And what my ideas, I'm going to give you my ideas, which I think are better. I'm just kidding, they are better. The, and these are the ideas I came up with. I hate waiting. Waiting stinks. Waiting is a waste of my time. Waiting makes me want to hurt myself and others. And waiting is another word for a timeout. 
I am possibly the most impatient person I know. I, I do, I hate waiting. If you would see me drive, my, my wife ha, is on my case all the time because I, I, I tend to not like to wait, which then makes me somewhat aggressive to try to get spaces where I won't have to wait. In lines in stores, constantly scouting which one is, is the quick one, what, what, what's the route that, it, that is going to help me the most, that I'm just, it, it, it really, it, it drives me crazy. I hate waiting. But yet, as we look at this message, what, what you begin to realize is waiting is something that God wants to do. And, and so as I think about that, what I realize is that when I am waiting, I am wasting my time because I am not waiting the way that God wants me to wait. God always has a purpose in, in what he does. And as we look at this concept of waiting, understand that your time of waiting if not being used as a time of preparation, which is what God wants it to be, is a waste of your time. And so as we look at this concept of waiting, that as we go through this message series, and really just as I've gone through the first week, to an extent I've come to embrace waiting as a time where God works on me and focuses my direction towards him. We're going to look at Psalm 130. Psalm 130, and it says that it is a psalm of ascents. Ascent literally means to go up. There's 15 psalms that are psalms of ascent, and there is a number of ideas. No one knows for sure exactly how they were compiled, but there are some ideas. One of them is that when someone would be on a pilgrimage, like for the Passover, and they would go from their town, and then they would go to Jerusalem, that they would go through a valley, and then you would go up to Jerusalem and ultimately up to the temple, which was at the top of the hill. And that there would be 15 psalms or songs that they would stop at various places along the way. And then at each one of those, they would say one of these psalms, Psalms 120 through Psalm 134. Another idea is that these psalms were used by the, the Levites, those people who worked in the temple, because there were 15 steps up to the temple and the altar area. And it's commonly believe that many of these Levites, as they would go up each step, would recite one of these psalms to themselves and, and to the Lord. And so in that way, these psalms were used, the psalms of ascent, they were used for individuals who were preparing themselves to meet God. And so as we look at Psalm 130 right now, I don't want you to look in your Bible right now. I don't want the screen. I don't want it up on the screen. I don't want you looking at your notes because Psalm 130 is meant to be memorized and used. And so this week I did that. And every time I was waiting, I, I said Psalm 130. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord, Lord, hear my voice. Be attentive to my cry for mercy. 
If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore, with reverence, we can serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in him, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with him is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. The Lord himself will redeem Israel from all of their sins. This is the word of the Lord. What I realized, what I realized as I was going through this week and at these times when I would normally wait and I would stew and I would get angry and I would become disgusted with people around me and wonder why they were in my way and why I had to continue waiting. That so close, so close are these words. So close are these words from the Lord to help us change our waiting and wasting of time to time for preparation. Think about these people as they use these words from the Psalms and they didn't read them. They had them right here and they were ones that they would use as, as they went up to worship, as they went up to the temple, but it's words that I found too. Once you memorize these, they are there all the time. They are the place to turn for the Lord to truly prepare you to meet him. And, and let's face it, everyone, the world is a huge waiting room. All of us here are waiting. And we're waiting for one thing. Ultimately, all of us are going to meet God. And if there's a reason while you're still waiting, there's a, there is a reason while you're waiting. If you're still waiting, there's a reason. And that reason is not, God is not ready for you to meet him yet. And it might be because of something going on in your life. It might be because of something going on in another person's life. It might just simply because of God's good and perfect will. I don't know. But as long as you are waiting, use these words to help prepare. In the first blank, you can write, these verses are meant to prepare a person to meet with God. And that's exactly how we are going to use them today. The first portion of God's word I'm going to ask you to look at is actually from Jonah 2, verses 3 through 5. And just a little setup of, of these, these verses. If you remember, or, or if you'd like to look, the book of Jonah, it's only four chapters long, very easy read. But Jonah was told by God to go uh, to a city called Nineveh. And Nineveh was in a foreign country. It was people who were enemies of Israel, people that Jonah quite frankly hated. And for that reason, he didn't want to go there. He didn't want to share God's word with them. He didn't want them to confess their sin in turn. He wanted them to go to hell. And the best way to make sure that happened was to not share God's word with them and, and stay away. So instead of going to Nineveh, Jonah went towards Tarshish, which was on the other side of the world, the known world at that time. 
And it was then as he was sailing to get as far away from those people and as far away from God's will as possible that the Lord sent a storm. And the storm, make a long story short, the, the, they thought they were going to die. Jonah finally said, you know what? It's because of me that we're having this storm. Just throw me over and everything will be okay. So they threw Jonah overboard. Everything stopped. Jonah sunk like a stone down, in, down into the water, down into the deep. And these are the words that he said. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. The reason why I chose this verse to go with the other verses is because it starts the same way. You have hurled me into the depths. And, and the psalm starts by saying, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. And those two words mean the exact same thing. They mean that someone is drowning. So Lord, as I'm drowning, as these things are coming and I'm being overwhelmed by things, I'm, I'm crying out to you. Literally, Jonah was being drowned by water. But there were also other things going on in his life. How about you? What is it that, that is drowning you? Are, are you drowning? We use the expression, you're drowning in debt. What is, what is suffocating you? Is it a relationship that, that is just so suffocating that you just want to get out and you, you just you can't breathe? Maybe you're trying to keep all the, the balls up in the air that the, of all these different relationships. There's just so much to get done that finally all of them start coming in. Your world comes in on top of you. See, that's usually the way we, we look at it and, and, and we think about all these things that are coming in on top of us. But that's not necessarily as, as we look at Jonah and especially the point of the psalm. Even though those things are true, that what Jonah was missing was there was one problem that was causing all the other problems. And that problem was his sin. And in these words, when he said, you hurled me into the depths? Really? Really, Jonah? God hurled you into the depths? <laughs> oh, oh, whoa, Let, let's, let's back this up a little bit. So God told you to go to Nineveh. You're the one who decided not to. You're the one who decided to go and, and, and go as far away as you could. You told the sailors to throw you over, which they did. And now as you drop, because you did not listen to me, you did not listen to my world, that now, my word, now it's me throwing you into the depths? No, Jonah. It is because of your own sin that you are in the depths. In the blank, you can write, when it comes to sin, we like to play the victim when many times we are actually the offender. When it comes to sin, we like to play the victim when many times we are actually the offender. Think about this specifically with the way the psalm was written. As the, the, the Levites would have been walking up the steps and they would have gone to the altar and they would have seen the sacrifice, the lamb is the victim. 
They are the offender. That's why they have to be there in the first place. It was because of their own sin that they needed to offer the sacrifices. For the people who would have been coming on these pilgrimages for the Passover or whatever feast it happened to be, they would go there and they would bring a lamb and it would have to be sacrificed. The lamb was the victim. They were the offender. And as we look at at, at the problems in our life, it is so easy to do. And if you don't get there, you're wasting your time. Example. I did something really stupid this week. I I went to Fry's on Wednesday night at six (laughs) o'clock. And, and I was in a hurry. And so I went in there and I I just had to get one thing. And, And so I grabbed it and I got in line 10 people deep at the self-checkout. And, and so I don't... Okay, I'm upset with fries because they know it's going to be busy. And even though every lane was open and there were a bunch of people at each lane, I still wasn't happy with them that they should make it go more quickly or at least facilitate it for someone who has just one thing. I was mad at, at the, the people who were actually working at the self-checkout because it seemed like every person there had alcohol. So every time they do that, you have to see the attendant and then it's just a nightmare. I was upset with the people in line because that's great that you're going through the self-checkout, but Wednesday before Thanksgiving is probably not the best time to do it for the first time. And so you're watching them and you just want to go, I will scan your groceries. I got to go put in there. You can't hold. Okay. So there was one person there that I was not upset with. That was me. Yeah. I was so, and so during this time, and that's where, and I, and so I'm getting self-righteous. I'm getting angry. And then I prayed out of the depths. I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Be attentive to my prayer. If you kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? And all of a sudden, this this time where I'm impatient and waiting in line was a time for me to think maybe a little bit about myself and realize, you know whose fault it was that I was there on Wednesday? Mine. Mine, because I did not prepare. I was not ready for the things that, that I knew I needed to do that night. And so I could blame everyone else, but what good is that going to do me to prepare for the future? Nothing. And in the same way, as we rationalize sin, as we minimize sin, as we try to blame everyone else around us, if that is how you are spending your time waiting, you are wasting your time. And that is why as the children of Israel were waiting, God sent John the Baptist to prepare them. Be ready. And his message was one of repentance. You're going to meet the Lord. And to be ready, you need to confess your sin to him and turn to him for mercy. The next verse is Psalm 130, verses one and two. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Pretty much the same words, except the the one I want you to focus on there is, Lord, hear my voice. I've been a pastor for a number of years now, And 
given a lot of messages, and people ask me, sometimes there's commotion, and they ask, oh, does that bother you when you're preaching? Or sometimes there's a, a baby in there. We used to not have, like, at the church I was at, not have crosswalk kids, anything like that, so all the babies were in the, the service, and there were, it was noisy. And, and they asked me, doesn't that bother you, you know, does, when a baby's crying? And honestly, I don't hear it. It, it really, unless one's screaming, like, right in front, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Unless it's one of my children. And then immediately, you just, you just know it, and you, it's, your, your eyes go that way because you recognize the voice, you recognize the cry. Uh, and, and, and you know what that's like when you hear the cry of one of your children, when, when you, you know that voice, you know that cry. And, and your immediate, immediate reaction isn't, what did you do to get in trouble? That's the second reaction. The first reaction is, I better make sure they, I, I have to see if they need my help. I, I need to go there and make sure they're okay. And so it is in, in this psalm that we're reminded that the Lord knows your voice. And so as you cry out, even if you're drowning, and that's the thing, just see the irony? If you're drowning, no one can hear your voice because you're drowning. Your lungs are, are now f- filled with water. No one can hear you. But God can, and he does. He knows your voice. In the blank, you can write, no matter why I am drowning, God hears my voice. God hears my voice, and not only does he hear it, but he answers, and sometimes he answers it by having me wait a little longer. We continue. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. Sometimes when I, when I think of this whole idea of, of waiting and preparing, that the image that I, I use in my head, and I, the Bible uses it too, is the idea of preparing for a wedding, and so if, let's say over Thanksgiving or Christmas or whenever it is that, that people, two people decide, hey, we're, gonna, we're engaged, we're going to get married. And so maybe one of them says, let's get married right now. And then they say, okay, we could, I guess we could go elope, but, but you know what? That's, there are things, we got to get some things ready before we get married, right? And, and so when you look at what a wedding day might encompass, if you do a big wedding, the bride has to get herself ready. And so everything, think about that on the day of a wedding, from the hair to the dress, the makeup, all of those things, manicure, pedicure, all of those things that a bride might do to just have it so that she's ready. And then also you think of everyone that needs to be invited. Oh my goodness, I have to make a list of everyone I want there for it to be a very special day and they need to be part of it. And then if we're going to have some type of a reception, we need to make sure that is all taken care of. And so you could say that they're waiting to get married. But in reality, there's no waiting going on. It's time where they're getting stuff done so that they can prepare to make sure they can get there. And so as we are preparing too, it's the first part of this is we prepare ourselves by looking at our sin and, and confessing the sin we have. The second part is to look at the one we're marrying, is to look at Christ. And that's what these words do. They, they point us to Jesus, 
and how wonderful he is and what a blessing it is for us to have a relationship with him. Last week, Pastor Jeff encouraged us to try a 40-day thank challenge. That for the next, until the first of the year, every day, thank God for at least three things every day. And a number of people are doing it. And, and what they've told me is, it's really easy, like for the first few days, but then if you're not going to repeat any, it gets harder. Because you say, oh, thanks for my family, thanks for my church, thanks, you know, stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, on, on day Six, you know, you're looking at, now I'm to 24 different things and, and how do I, you need to be very focused in what you're thanking God for. Well, I'm going to give it for you today that you can do it. Your three things are in this verse. Thank God that he keeps no record of wrong. So, so that when we, uh, we look at him and, and we consider the, the sin and, and we confess it that to an extent that he's forgiven it, but he also says, you know what, I don't even remember that. That's not, no, that's not in my book. Completely gone, not a constant reminding of it. The second thing is just the words of forgiveness. God's greatest attribute, his greatest strength is, is in his love and in his forgiveness that he paid the debt through Jesus for our sins. And then the third thing is that you're given the privilege on a daily basis with reverence, knowing what he's done, to serve him. Three gifts from God. Three things that make our, our God so beautiful. And, and you know when a great time is to think about that? When you're waiting. <laughs> when you're waiting and preparing yourself and recognize your sin and shortcoming to see the forgiveness that Jesus brings. And so in the blank, you can write, waiting gives me the opportunity to consider God's goodness and his plan for my life. Waiting gives me the opportunity to consider God's goodness and his plan for my life. More thoughts for us as we go forward when we're waiting. I wait for the Lord, Psalm 135, verses five and six. I wait for the Lord my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. If you think about that, the, someone who was a watchman who had the night shift would probably go maybe 10, 10 at night to 6 in the morning, probably have about an 8-hour shift. And, and so as, as you're there, you're there at night, it's very dark, you're up on the wall, and the reason why you're there is because you understand that at nighttime, uh, night gives a cover of darkness that makes it easier for enemies to start to come closer. And for that reason, during that time period, you're waiting, but you're doing much more than that. You're, you're guarding, you're protecting, you're watching and, and so as the watchman is there, imagine you don't have your cell phone, can't look at the clock. Maybe occasionally you would have roosters crowing through the night so you knew about what time it was. But really, there, there is one event you're waiting for, and that is the morning. And the morning is such a great thing because it, it means a couple things. One of them is it means your shift is over. And the second part it means is that the cover of darkness is now gone and during the daytime that you are definitely not, well, less susceptible to a surprise attack because you're able to see so far. 
And so as you look at, at the, the, the problems and the things that are drowning you in your life, that the psalmist is trying to tell us in the same way that a watchman looks for, towards the morning is how you can be with whatever it is that is plaguing you because it's not going to last forever. In the blank, you can write, Watchmen waited in eager expectation. Watchmen waited in eager expectation for the sun to finally show itself. They completely expected that the morning would come. We're at that time right now. We know that, right? And especially with the kids. This is about the time now that you have Thanksgiving. Everyone's thinking about Christmas, right? And, and we're still almost, you know, three to four weeks away. And for the kids when they're young, is today the day? Is today the day? How many days is it? How many? And, and that type of anticipation where they're, they're just so excited that, that it's going to come. And they know that it's going to come. And so as we wait... And we prepare. Don't doubt for a second that there is a day when you're waiting and the need for waiting will end. They were waiting for the Savior to come, for Jesus to come and pay for sin, which he did. And now we wait for Jesus to come back as our judge when the world will end. I don't know what will come first. If, if my death will come first, or whether Jesus return. And, and I suppose at the end of the day, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference. But I do know there is an end. And that will be the end of the time that I have to wait to meet him. And the same is true for you. But he wants you ready. And through Christ, we are. Finally, we go Psalm 137 and 8. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. I'm going to read that one more time. I love those words. Put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. It is easy. They, I suppose they say hindsight is twenty twenty. Where if you were able to look back at, at the things that were going on in your life to where you are now, I'm sure that you would tell yourself, looking back, self, don't worry about it. It's going to work its way out. Don't worry. It's going to be a short period of time, and then uh, you're going to get through this. Think about that, all the different stages of your life with things that were, were so important to you. But I think we also, most of us, if not all of us, do not look at the future with the same confidence that we look at our past. Because there's too many question marks. There's too many things we don't know. There, there are so many things that could go wrong that do go wrong. And at this time when they were waiting, the writer of the psalm is pointing the people away from themselves. There's a time to look at yourself, prepare yourself, but there's a time to stop looking at yourself as well and a time to look at the one who is going to come as your savior. The one, he himself, God is going to deal with this himself. He will redeem Israel from their sins, that Jesus came and, and he paid that price for their sin. 
and he's done it for us as well. So I don't know. I don't know how you look at that, that future and, and how you see it with, with this waiting with confidence and trust or with doubt and fear. But as we wait, the way we prepare ourselves are to look at these certain promises. In the blank, you can write, waiting and trusting is never a waste of time. Waiting and trusting is never a waste of time. Hindsight helps me see God's unfailing love and full redemption even more clearly. And so let's do that. Let's take time to look at those certain promises of God. Let's look at God's perfect track record and how he has been there for his people and what he has accomplished through Christ. And then with complete confidence and trust, look forward to the future. How to the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you kept a record of sins, O Lord, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that with reverence we can serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in him I put my trust. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Crosswalk, put your hope in the Lord. For with him is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. The Lord himself will redeem Israel and has redeemed you from all of your sin. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, as hard as this is, I'm going to thank you right now for waiting. Uh, it is so difficult, but Lord, in my waiting, and, and even now as there are times when I feel that I am drowning, Lord, throw me the rope of your promises and, and pull me to safety. Uh, let me turn to your unfailing love and that full redemption. Help me remember again what Christ has done for me in the past, his promises for my present, and also give me certainty for the future. Lord, I, I know my future is safe with you, and as I wait, continue to build my trust in you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. I love that message. I'll wait as long as it takes. And while you wait, hold on tightly to those promises of Christ. And as you go, go with his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you in favor and give you his peace. Amen. We'll see you on the patio.